Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Matchmaker Sales Method. If you're a done-for-you service provider who's ready to grow your profits and impact without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This is one of the short episodes, and this one is going to be about the anatomy of a natural feeling sales conversation. And I know that might sound kind of funny that there's an anatomy or structure for something that's supposed to be natural, but if you're just letting a conversation go in any direction that it wants to go, it's going to go way too long, and it's not going to end with a clear answer. It's not going to be as effective, and it will be a much bigger time waster, right? However, there is a way to have a structure to the conversation that doesn't feel overly structured. So a lot of mainstream bro sales, aggressive masculine strategies are very overly structured to the point where it feels very unnatural. It feels uncomfortable to the person selling and the person buying. And it's what we've come to associate as this feels like a sales call, right? So you're not going to have as transparent and honest of a conversation when it feels like a sales call. Also, there are more effective ways to uncover objections ahead of time and to have a conversation that gets you the information that's important for you to know if this is a solution that would work for the person that you're talking to. And that's what I'm going to discuss in this episode. And all every time that I share my philosophy behind things, I always want to have the caveat that if what you're doing works and feels comfortable and aligned and is resulting in sales, then don't change anything. There's no reason to fix something that's not broken. But if you feel uncomfortable with whatever you're doing and you're not getting as many sales as you like, I'm going to offer you some unconventional alternatives here. So the first thing that most mainstream sales strategies advise you to do is set an agenda at the beginning of the call. So that sounds like, yeah, so um, yeah, I'm going to ask you some questions and then I'm going to tell you about what we do and then you're going to ask me some questions. You know, how does that sound? And it's like, yeah, we've all been to a sales call before. You know, it's like saying that the sun comes up in the morning and the moon comes up at night. We, we all know how this conversation goes. So saying that information isn't providing any clarity. The only thing it's doing is like putting up a big red sign that says, the sales call starting now. I am putting on my sales hat, right? So get your guard up and expect me to be selling you. So I don't really like that because it kind of like ruins the rapport you've had up to that point. Um, I really just like to, to go into the first question because that's what you do in a regular conversation. You wouldn't say in a regular conversation, you wouldn't sit down and be like, cool, um, I'm going to ask you some questions and then share my opinion. And you ask me questions. You just would never do that, right? So why would you do that in a sales conversation? It's not natural. So the second thing that they advise is during the discovery section to not talk, to let the prospect talk the entire time. So you're just rapid fire asking questions and giving no feedback on their answers. And this can really end up feeling like an interrogation so it's just like the other, the prospect kind of feels like, and you probably felt like this as a buyer, like, um, is that a good answer? Is that a bad answer? What do you think about that information? How does it relate to your offer? Also, 
when am I going to get to ask questions? I'm getting impatient here. I know I, sometimes it's not even clear why you're asking the questions. So when you're able to provide feedback and do what I call pitch weaving, which I'll discuss in another episode, it's a really effective way to take the pressure off of the quote unquote pitch at the end, because you're talking about your offer and how it relates to them throughout that discovery section. And it's a great time to do that because the person's guard isn't as up as it is when they are you know, experiencing your quote unquote pitch, right? Their ears are more open. They're more transparent. They're more honest. There's better rapport. It's a better time to be discussing your offer. And it's especially helpful to customize things in this section. So a lot of mainstream bro sales uh, strategies say to, you know, note their answers and then customize the pitch to them. But it's really hard to do that a lot of times for the regular person. And also the prospect doesn't remember all of their answers either. So each time you're customizing that to them in the pitch, they're, sometimes they're like, I don't know exactly what they're saying. Sure, you could tie it back, but it's a whole lot easier to just say in the moment, oh, that's great to hear. That's exactly how we help people. So that sounds like it would be a great fit. Remember from our like fitting episode that you really wanna let them know when it's a fit. Um, you want to like give insight into why something hasn't worked, why they're having an experience they're having, what gaps are there for them to fill so that they have a better experience. All of those kinds of things, it should feel like a conversational exchange during the discovery section. And it's going to make everything way easier on the second half of the conversation because mainstream sales says to hold the whole objection handling thing until the end of the conversation, but everybody's tired at that point. And it it puts you in a defensive space and it's it's a lot harder. It's a lot easier and more effective to just proactively overcome objections by asking questions that are gonna uncover the objections. And some people might say, oh no, you're gonna put the objection in their mind. Uh, ignoring it and pretending like it doesn't exist does not make it not exist. It still exists. <laughs> so uncover it early and talk it through and find out if it's really a deal breaker, whatever the objection is, because you want to treat it like it's potentially valid. Um, and if it is a deal breaker, you just save yourself a whole exhausting conversation because you were able to uncover that early and say, okay, this is actually not going to work. Let me refer you to somebody who can help you, right? So that's my philosophy on the discovery section, not making it an interrogation and, you know, really having a conversational exchange and tying back each time something is like whatever is custom about your offer based on their answer. So that way they've heard it multiple times by the time you get to your quote unquote pitch, right? It's not the first time they're hearing how you actually help them with what they need and the way that they need it, right? So then the next piece of the conversation that most mainstream sales advises is for you to ask for permission to sell. So you're going to be like, okay, great. So I have a whole page of notes here. Um, would you like me to tell you what we do? And yeah, yeah, that's why they signed up for a sales call. They wanted to know. So we already know that they gave us permission when they signed up to have a sales conversation. And the reason I don't really like this is the same reason I don't really like the agenda. It's letting somebody know I'm about to sell you. I'm about to pitch. This is my pitch, right? And when you know that somebody's pitching and you're a buyer, are you leaning in? Are you hanging on every word? Or are you like, oh, okay, this person's about to exaggerate some things. I'm going to just put my guard up and, you know, take everything they say with a grain of salt. Probably the latter. And they're just kind of waiting for you to shut up so that they can ask their questions because that's what they care about. So it, it's just like, it doesn't feel like a conversation. It's stopping a flow of conversation and letting someone know with a big red sign, 
I'm about to pitch you, right? So I like to transition to the sale by saying, okay, great. I don't see any indicators that you would be a bad, like that this wouldn't work for you, right? And you're going to list the situations that this doesn't work for somebody so that they can self-identify. So yeah, it, you don't have unrealistic expectations. You're not expecting results in 10 days. You're, uh, you don't need access to me all the time. You don't need me to create a website. You already have a website or whatever the, the thing is that makes somebody not a good fit for you. You're going to mention those so they can say, oh yeah, that's not me. And then you're going to say, and you seem like a great fit because, and you're going to be really genuine about this. You seem like a great fit because your company's mission perfectly aligns with the people we like to work with. I can tell that you are enthusiastic and really care about the work that you do. And those are the people that we work best with. Whatever the reasons are that make somebody a really good fit for you to work with and get results, right? So that's how I like to transition into the sale. And then I just like to explain how I'm going to get them the results that I'm going to get them, right? And so in traditional mainstream bro sales, this pitch area is just one person talking for like seven minutes. My personally personal philosophy is no one person should be talking for seven minutes, not even the prospect. If they're talking for seven minutes, they're giving you a bunch of information you do not need and you are wasting time. And definitely not the seller taking seven minutes because the other person's tuning out. When are you able to hang on every word that somebody's saying when it's that many words? You're not going to retain it the same. So I really like to have checking questions throughout the pitch. So questions that are going to allow them to reflect on what you just said about your offer. And as a result, they're able to retain it better. It's also going to help you proactively uncover objections. So if there's an area that, you know, in your offer that people usually get hung up, you're going to want to talk about that right there and make sure that's not going to happen with this person and talk it through. So like, for example, yeah. So the first thing we do is get access to all of your accounts so that we can gather data and do an analysis and identify the things that are really working for you so we don't reinvent the wheel and eliminate the things that are not working for you. So you get results much faster, right? Do you have a point of contact that will help us get access to all of those accounts? And they're able to think, wait, this person needs access to my accounts. Why? Oh, because they need data because they're going to do an analysis. And if they don't have someone that's going to help and you can't get access to the accounts, you can't do what you need to do, period, full stop, right? You're able to have that conversation right there. So making this a conversational exchange is going to allow you to uncover things faster and it's going to allow the other person to remember what the hell it is that you do. Um, so in addition to that, I really like when a pitch talks about the transformation that they take someone through. So the mainstream bro sales aggressive masculine strategy is to just focus on the results that you get somebody and to keep it really vague and customize it to whatever they said they wanted in the discovery section. So for example, if they were like, yeah, I am really looking for a horse farm that also has goats and chickens that I can paint red and will dance to um, the German polka. And the person says, oh my God, that's exactly what we have. Oh, how convenient, right? I think that sounds like bullshit personally when you just say that, oh, that thing you need is actually the exact thing that we do. And I don't need to tell you how. I just want to let you know that I'm going to get you that result 
it just feels false, right? There's just a lot of context and information missing. Now, I'm not saying to, to focus on the deliverables. You don't want to be like, you have four meetings um, every quarter and you'll get this many reports and da, 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 which is the other thing that people do a lot. And nobody wants four meetings and a report. They want the result of the four meetings and the report, right? So the result of those things are we're going to have meetings throughout the quarter to make sure that the performance is lining up with what we're seeing on the back end and actually resulting in sales for you so we can quickly adjust if it's not instead of waiting too long and wasting money and time or whatever, right? So you're going to give them the result of having that stuff. Really, the deliverables is just like a brief line at the end of your quote unquote pitch. You really more than anything want to focus on the, the transformation that you're taking someone through, ideally in a kind of timeline. So, yeah, the first 30 days where there's not going to be a whole lot of action because we're just doing so much analysis and then we're going to be implementing. So by day 90, you're going to be seeing traction. Right. So they kind of can wrap their brain around this thing and envision it and envision where they're going to be at each step. And that is much more compelling than just saying, I'm going to get you this result. It's not important how just know I'm going to do it. So, you know, the pitch part is something that I, I do in my diagnostic um, analysis that I go through with each of my clients and I, I help formulate this for you. But hopefully it gives you just like a bird's eye view of of the philosophy behind it as opposed to what you normally hear uh, when when the mainstream sales strategies are being discussed. And the other thing is you want to ask questions about if what you're saying is even lining up with what the person wants. So people just pitch. And, and the number one reason that sales do not close is a lack of clarity and confusion because a lot of assumptions are made. The seller's assuming that the other person wants everything that they're saying, understands everything that they're saying, and the buyer is assuming whatever they're interpreting is accurate. And you would say, oh, why don't they just ask questions at the end of the conversation? Everybody's tired at the end of the conversation. A lot of times they're like, I don't even have the energy. I don't even care, right? So maybe they'll ask one or two questions. They're not going to go into it. So instead, you want to ask a question like, does that sound more effective for you? Does that sound like that would make the difference for you? Does that sound different from what you've done before? Does that line up with the solution that you had in mind? These questions are going to help you understand if what you're saying is landing and if the person's able to, to have that conversation in the moment and say, um, kind of, I don't know. And you're like, what, what, what do you mean kind of? And it, it turns out that they were confused about some element of something. Well, it sounds like I have to wait 30 days to get an answer. No, there's a, there's an ongoing chat where we can talk about things. Does that work for you? You're able to have that conversation in the moment, right? Instead of having everybody just assume that they want and understand what the hell you're saying, because they don't. And you want to ask something besides makes sense, because have you ever gotten to the end of a conversation where somebody said it made sense the whole time? And then they ask you a question that makes it very clear that it did not make sense. It happens all the time because make sense is an automatic yes. And it actually kind of implies that you're dumb if you say no. <laughs> so a lot of people aren't going to share that information with you. They just say yes because they're like, oh, someone asked me made sense. Here, I'll, I'll say yes so they can just like keep going because I need to get to the part where I'm going to ask questions, right? There are exceptions. Most people are not going to tell you. No, it doesn't make sense. They're just not, right? So in the pitch, having it be transformational with checking questions that allow you to understand if they understand and want what you're saying and allows them to retain what the hell you're saying, right? So then I like to transition into letting them know when it doesn't work. So it's not going to work if I can't get, I, I'm not going to get your result in 30 days if I can get access to your accounts in 30 days. 
Am I going to be able to get access to your account in 30 days? You want to be real clear about that. It doesn't work when people don't communicate with me. It doesn't work when somebody doesn't engage with the comments after we post or whatever. And you want to let them know the scenarios because everybody's worried that you're just telling them that you can do stuff for everybody and you can, and you always get results and that that's a lie because it is. Nobody, nobody has a one size fits all solution that works for everyone. And it's going to make someone feel a lot more comfortable if they know when it doesn't work so they can say, yeah, that's not my situation. Because the thing everyone's thinking before they invest is, oh my God, am I the exception? What if I am? What constitutes the exception? What if this doesn't work for me? Let them know when it doesn't work so you guys can be clear that that's not their situation or find out if it is their situation and avoid a disaster, right? So you want to ask them, I mean, you were going to let them know when it doesn't work and then ask them if there's any reason it wouldn't work for them right now. And then you're going to discuss the investment. So a lot of people like to um, just be really silent after the investment, which I think is super awkward. That's what the bro sales aggressive masculine strategies advise. And the reason that they advise that is that a lot of times somebody will say the price and then they'll feel really uncomfortable about saying the price. So they'll just babble, right? And they'll be like, and it comes with and it's really incredible. And there's so much value and blah, 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 blah. And they almost like ruin the sale by all the babbling that they do after uh, sharing the, the investment. And so you definitely don't want to do that, but a better way than just being dead, silent, which I think is so weird and uncomfortable. Um, like they say, mute the phone, stick a fist in your mouth, anything you can to like not the first one who speaks loses. This is like such a dumb power play to me. I understand the logic behind stopping yourself from babbling, but a more effective way to do that is to say, is that investment realistic for you right now? If you ask a question, you're going to shut up because you want to hear their answer, right? You're not going to keep babbling after that. So it's an easy way to open up the conversation with the other person because when you're silent, they're having a conversation in their head about money. And personally, I would like to be part of that conversation with them. So if they're able to say like, well, you know, it might be a little tight because we have this other thing that we're launching and we start it next month. And so I don't know if there'll be enough budget and you're able to discuss, okay, what is that? Okay, maybe we can do some smaller version of it that complements that and then pick up with the bigger version later. You're able to be part of that conversation or discuss, you know, financing. If you have like a funding partner or something, you know, you, you, it opens up the transparent money conversation that needs to happen for you to effectively move somebody forward much more so than just being silent, right? So that's my philosophy on it. And that's the whole anatomy behind it. Of course, there are lots of layers to a sales conversation. And so much of this is custom to you because context is important, right? That's why I understand my clients offers an audience before I design something for them because every client has a different strategy as they should because they're not selling the same thing to the same people. So that stuff is important, but this overall anatomy is very different from what you'll, you'll hear in mainstream sales. And I found it's more effective. Obviously, nothing is one size fits all, including this. So it's really, again, just want to reiterate, if what you're doing is working, rock on, keep doing it. But if it's not, then try some of these things and it'll really make the conversation feel a lot more transparent and honest and natural and like 
great. You have a problem and I'm offering a solution. And the byproduct of that is money exchanged. And that's what I think is a successful conversation is a sales conversation is when the other person forgets it's a sales conversation and just thinks that they're talking to an expert who's guiding them to make the decision in their best interest, because that is what a sales conversation should be. It should not be about manipulating somebody into a yes. And in order for you to be effective about understanding if this is the best solution in their best interest, you need to have transparent rapport. So all of these things that I mentioned, you know, not having the agenda, um, having a conversational exchange with pitch weaving in the discovery section, um, transitioning by letting them know that the information you have makes them a good fit. Um, then like having the pitch where it has checking questions, it's not just one person talking the whole time, it's helping them retain, it's giving you more information and proactively coming over, overcoming objections, letting them know when it doesn't work and asking if there's any reason it wouldn't work for them and then sharing the investment and asking if that's realistic for you. All of those things are going to make the conversation feel much more comfortable for both of you. So I hope this was helpful, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast, where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without paying, pitching, or pretending to be someone else. And if you feel like there's something that is missing in your sales conversation, how you're communicating the value, people aren't don't seem to be understanding it, or there seems to be a lot of objections at the end, or a lot of things about think about it, or whatever. Um, I have a sales level up call where I will look at your process and identify the three biggest gaps that you can adjust right away and increase your sales. And it's a great way for us to see if we're a fit. If this stuff that I'm saying sounds aligned and comfortable and resonates with you, it's a good sign that it probably would work, but we want to be really sure, right? So that sales level up call, either way you leave with value, you can immediately go implement the things and close more sales. So check that out. The link is in the description here. Thank you all for listening and I will see you next time.